your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around Coming to you live from Vault 69 Sponsored by Morrison's Trolleys the best trolley to get you through in the post-apocalyptic world. Well, this could be a wasted recording. Uh, you're through to stick around games. Uh, potentially, uh, we'll have all died in a nuclear apocalypse by now. But, you know, we're dedicated to the listenership. Uh, I'm here with games expert Clive Fisher. Ahoy, ahoy. Uh, games expert James Flux. Hello, everyone. And games expert Dave Peeling. Hello there. I'm a games layman, uh, you know, games casual, Alex Wayne. Um, well, I think we have got a... Oh, well, <laughs> hey! Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing to be ashamed of there. That's all fine. Um, yeah, have we been playing any good games? I, I feel like we've got a, a packed show today. Rammed. Um, I have been playing some good games. I've got... Um, I'm going to finish with a little moan, though, on some games, so... Oh, this is unusual for me. So uh, yeah, but could this be an Alex Wayne like rant, but from Clive? No, it won't be. It'll be uh, more of a. Could could well, you make it? Could you make it a rant? I mean, I, I could think possibly that... just get more animated than I actually feel for the sake yeah, of the pod. You know. <laughs> Better for ratings, I think. Or if it's ever, just really ever been get, ever before, just get really <laughs> angry. <laughs> yeah, it could happen. Who knows? Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll get this kicked off with. Uh, the Xbox expert and PlayStation expert, James Flux. What what have you got for us? Um, the first first review I've got for us uh, is Injustice Two, um, developed by uh, NetherRealm Studios, published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, um, and published uh, May this year. Um, Injustice Two is the follow up to um, 2013's Injustice: Gods Among Us. Um, as I previously reviewed in Stick Around Games episode thir- 16, sorry. Uh, which oh, was he's doing his Oh, the knowledge. What a pro. I don't even know what episode wow. this is, never mind. <laughs> um, I thought the date is. Injustice 2 is a fighting game um, that features characters from the DC Comics universe um, and covers characters from Atrocitus and Black Canary to more well-known names like Superman, Harley Quinn, Batman. Um, I'll I'll jump straight into it. It's a fighting game. There's not not too much to discuss in terms of um, how it was developed. Gameplay-wise, uh, the game's really what you would expect from a sort of Nether Realm fighting game. Obviously, they're well experienced in making fighting games, being probably most famous for Mortal Kombat, um, but also the previous Injustice title. Um, the mechanics are smooth and swift, the controls are intuitive, um, it's obviously well designed from a gay p- gameplay perspective um, by a studio that pretty much exclusively does fighting games. Um, there's a, definitely more of a, a feeling of speed and agility um, in this title than in the previous, sometimes in Justice, fights seemed a bit sluggish particularly if you were quite far apart, it took some time to come together. Um, they've really really focused on that and clearly adjusted the speed so that you can uh, move across the map towards your enemy much quicker and it keeps the kind of mechanics of the fight going um, and it feels much much swifty in particular when you're using characters that are very agile based like Catwoman or Harley Quinn you can sort of flip from one side of the map to the other in uh, essentially the blink of an eye um, so that, that keeps that keeps that mechanic going what it's perhaps most impressive, I think, in terms of um, the gameplay itself, is the way the controls are set out. It seems to be that they're designed so that a beginner can pick it up and play it and do the basic controls, but it's equally as easy for someone who's kind of spent a lot of time memorising the combos and getting that to get what they want out of it as well. It's not dumbed down as such in that it takes away those kind of really complicated 20-move combos or something like that but it is still easy for someone who's perhaps never played a fighting game before to pick up the mechanics and play in an intuitive way, which is is really impressive. Um, probably the biggest focus, or the, the biggest thing about Injustice is its focus on a single player. 
um, story. Obviously a lot of fighting games tend to focus on the multiplayer aspect, whether that be uh, fighting your friends in the same living room or, or online. Um, whereas Injustice 2 seems to really focus on that kind of single player experience as a fighter. Um, this starts with the story campaign, which picks up broadly where Gods Among Us left off. Um, although it is a, a few years after the events from Gods Among Us. Um, I'm not going to give a synopsis of the story because I want to avoid spoilers both for Injustice 2 and for the original Injustice for those that might not have played it. Um, but what I will say is that the story feels really epic. It includes almost all of the playable characters at some point or another and you see the unfolding story from their perspective and it gives it a, a kind of real sense of scale that everyone in the DC universe is affected um, and makes it feel makes it feel like a serious event. Um, as you might expect, because it's a fighting game and broadly you're only involved in terms of gameplay as individual fights between characters, the story is very cutscene heavy, but I didn't mind that too much because the, they're very, very good um, cutscenes, they're very cinematic and they they are what progresses the story. So if you're interested in the story, you don't mind that they're so often there because that's what you're really relying on to let the story unfold um, and give you that narrative complexity. I I really like the story. I know I've seen a lot of comments about it saying that it's perhaps not as not as good as the first one, and that it. Uh, I've read one comment that said it confuses um, bleakness for depth. And, and there is kind of an element of um, the world gone wrong after the events of Gods Among Us and, and it, is, it is sort of a post-apocalyptic future almost. Um, but I don't think it necessarily misused that bleakness in kind of uh, an alternative to good story writing. The story really focuses on the characters and character development and how they react in, um, after the events of, a, of the previous game which set a lot of the friends against each other um, and made allies of new enemies, of old enemies, sorry. And so I don't think, I I think that's an unfair criticism. I I thought it was really good. In terms of negatives to the way the story pans out, sometimes it was a little jarring as you switch between characters. There's no consistency in terms of uh, moves that you can use for every character other than the very basic light attack, heavy attack, circle for special move, that sort of thing. And so sometimes if you've gone from a character that relies a lot on speed and quick attacks and chaining combos to perhaps a character that's more powerful but slightly more lumbering, it sort of took you out of your flow in terms of gameplay and so you spent the first match with that new character just getting absolutely pounded by the AI as you tried to figure out a couple of special moves that would prepare you for the rematch. As a final tip on the story, I will give away that there are two possible endings depending on a choice, a pretty binary choice you have to make. If you're interested in playing through both of those endings like I was, I would suggest picking the same character whenever you've got a choice the first time round and then doing the, it with the opposite character the second time round as an easy way of making sure you view all of the possible cutscenes and see all of the possible story as it unfolds. Um, otherwise you end up kind of trying to work out which character you played it with last time or maybe playing some of the story missions twice with one character to make sure that you've played it with every single character. Um, and in hindsight, I wish I'd have just kept with one all the way through. Every time there was a choice, they kept the left-hand side choice so that when I played the second time around, I could keep the right-hand side choice, for example. Um, so that's just a tip. In terms of the other large single-player focused element of this game, that's brought in the new feature of the multiverse. The multiverse crosses the kind of traditional fighter with a with some basic RPG mechanics. The, it allows you to go into an alternative Earth in the DC universe where there's a new threat emerging, um, and it kind of challenges you to fight a series of enemies. Obviously, as it's a fighting game, but with um, particular targets or particular challenges to do. So it might be complete this run of fights with a particular character, or it might be complete this run of fights without using a super move, or complete this run of fights um, sort of in a certain time or something like that. There are additional challenges. Those additional challenges then help you um, unlock more gear and items for your characters, which can have additional abilities. So it might be some of the basic gear just simply levels up a basic attribute about that fighter, such as their health, and gives them a bit more health. 
but as the rarer items give you um, sort of much more different buffers and boosts that you can use to fight your way through harder challenges in the multiverse. So, for example, one of them might give you more damage against Kryptonian opponents or help you defend against mechanical opponents in a particular way, so that if you've got a fight that's featuring a lot of Kryptonian opponents, Superman, Supergirl, you can tweak your gear to be prepared for those fights and that will allow you to take on harder enemies, thereby getting more rewards, building up your character further, and so on and so forth. The multiverse also allows you to um, sort of customise your character's appearance through these new items as well. Um, so it's really fun to kind of experiment and, and make your characters look a bit different, whether that be through different paint jobs. Um, it also allows you to customise in a limited way some of the special moves your characters can use. You can unlock new special moves. Um, so they might swap for old special moves that already exist um, or it might be a new special move that it puts in with a certain combo um, and it might disable another ability somewhere else along the line um, but that's a really it's a really good way of being able to customise a character if you perhaps don't like one of their special moves if you unlock a new special move that cancels that out then obviously you can use that and use that to customise the character a lot was made when it came out of the ability to customise and I think ultimately that's perhaps been slightly overhyped in that there is limited um, kind of actual customization in terms of to your fight style but you certainly can use that equipment to customise it to prepare you for fights in the multiverse against particular enemies so there is that RPG customisable element but it's perhaps it was perhaps overhyped that you could make your character look completely different and things like that Yes, you can, but that also affects their ability to fight, so you might not want to. Um, in summary, Injustice 2, I think, provided one of the, if not the biggest, single-player fighter experiences there may well have ever been. It picks up from where Gods Among Us left off, um, and it takes a lot of the things that made Gods Among Us so good, i.e. a good, compelling story, which is unusual for a fighter, really cool-looking super moves and stage transitions as you explore the environment, really good graphics and kind of background um, level design um, but it also improved some of the things that were perhaps slightly deficient in Gods Among Us like the speed at which some of the matches took if you predict two heavy hitting characters that felt sluggish and slow um, and it's kind of made that made that jump to improve those things that were lacking or deficient but still keep those things that made the original so great and fun um, it's received quite a lot of critical praise and I'm certainly not going to buck that trend um, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed playing it I enjoyed going through the story I've been through both endings already and I'm just starting out in the multiverse but again I'm really enjoying that and being able to customise the characters and use the characters I like the most and kind of just adapt them slightly to my style so that I can take on tougher challenges within the multiverse so yeah really enjoying it Excellent uh, has anybody else played this at all? Uh, I've, I've heard of it and I remember you reviewing uh, the first one before. Um, I'm not generally a big fighting game fan, although this does sound pretty good. Um, Dave, have you played this at all? No. Clive, any experience? Um, no, not at all. I've got very limited, like, I love Smash Brothers, which is quite a different type of fighter. Pretty limited experience of a kind of one-on-one combo-based thing. I tried to get into Street Fighter 4, um, but it was a bit crap. Uh, <laughs> haven't quite got the patience for uh, getting into it. I, will, I really want to get into one at some point, so I just need to choose which one, I guess. But um, I did hear a lot of good things about this, so pleased to hear uh, Flux is a fan. I mean, I'm sort of the same as you guys, that fighters aren't what I would normally play, um, but I really like the first one, so I picked this one up. And to be honest, I think actually this might be a good one for that, because it mean, you don't have to play where there's such a focus on single player you can kind of play at your own pace rather than having to play against online opponents that are just going to whip you. I certainly, when I play multiplayer on this, just constantly get the crap beaten out of me. I, I certainly can't <laughs> compete with other people who are experienced fighter game players, but I can still enjoy it because there's such a focus on single player so I can kind of play on lower difficulties and, and more at my pace. Yeah, that sounds more like something I could get into then, because yeah, it's, it's usually the stuff where it's a lot of it's focused on online. And, I think I think yeah, the only enough. fighting game I've ever <laughs> so. really been into was um, Street Fighter Two Turbo, which came with my Super Nintendo way back in um, I'm guessing 1994, 95 when I got it. I found I was terrible at that. I could do uh, 
Bison's finishing move only if I absolutely mashed the keyboard with my palm, and it was ch- totally chance. Although my, my favourite <laughs> fighter was uh, Blanca, who basically had a cheat move where you just press down on the button, and anyone who tried landing, you got an electric shock. You could. Uh, I mean, you can't beat the good old shindig in a fighting game as well, which is often unbeatable. Yeah, I imagine unless you're really good, then you can probably figure out a way to do it. But I don't know. I reckon there's I could. Those, there's always those cheap moves that. Uh... I, I, I reckon I could become world champion just by shin digging. <laughs> I'd hope so. <laughs> I'd hope so. And then you could celebrate by having a shin dig. <laughs> Away. Well. Right. Okay. Um. From the middle of Bolton or near Bolton to uh, the centre of the country, at least in terms of interest. Dave Peeling, what have you got for us next? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Al. Um, So, I've got for you guys today Mafia 3. Uh, Mafia 3 was released back in October 2016 and is a sequel to Mafia and Mafia 2. It follows uh, the story of Lincoln Clay, who is a, uh, a mixed-race African-American orphan who is brought up in the fictional New Bordeaux, heavily uh, based on the real-life New Orleans. Um, he is a Vietnam veteran, and this game is set in 1968. It sees him uh, returning from that conflict to uh, come back to uh, New Bordeaux and live with his adoptive uh, family, who are then, spoiler alert, brutally massacred in the, uh, in the opening scene by, uh, by mobsters. Lincoln sets out to get his uh, revenge and along the way recruits a number of capos to help take over uh, the city of New Bordeaux. Fundamentally, this is a very similar game to the first two mafias, in that it is an open-world, third-person, uh, action-adventure shooter that sees and takes a lot of influence from the Grand Theft Auto series of games and Driver. You spend a lot of time driving around, arriving at a destination, undertaking a mission which involves killing people, and then either um, successfully completing that mission or then having to drive to somewhere else to shoot some more people. That said... That style of game has never uh, has never done me any harm before, and Mafia Three has a wonderful uh, a wonderful take on this setting as it does the game in a uh, still segregated America, still legally segregated America, and uh, through the, uh, and you, and as I say, you you view the game through Lincoln Clay, an African American himself, and it is quite remarkable to. Be driving around and listen, uh, listening to the radio as you're doing lots of these types of games, and to hear uh, contemporary news reports referring to black people with the N word, and a lot of the uh, the story within the game is based on racial tension, and there's an awful lot, uh, obviously, that mirrors actions that are ongoing in America today. There is a, uh, as, as you kind of move through the game, the radio news progresses the story of the case of two black men shot to death whilst they uh, knocked on someone's door to ask for help with their flat tyre. The, the opening of the game involves an awful lot of cutscenes and these are really extremely well done and set up an awful lot of promise for the rest of the game, introducing a number of characters and set several decades after the uh, events in the game um, from the perspective of senators and investigators investigating the crime spree that you're about to undertake yourself and opening with a uh, a dramatic heist in the centre of New Bordeaux. Thereafter, the game falls apart extremely quickly. The game is utterly flat and relatively lifeless. It is utterly tedious and repetitive all the missions are identical uh, and often see you driving from one end of the map to the other to complete uh, an exercise which then you have to repeat another three or four times until you hit the next uh, objective 
doing a few of these types of things in each of the boroughs in New Bordeaux and Locke's new cutscenes, and these in themselves and the story of Lincoln Clay are fascinating and, and really extremely well done. And it is very disappointing that they are then attached to what is very tedious gameplay. The city of New Bordeaux uh, is, as I say, based on New Orleans, one of the most vibrant, exciting, interesting and colourful cities in the Western world and is rendered here in this game as a completely drab, brown, grey, lifeless, uh, empty, empty town uh, with nothing to see or do for miles of driving. The game has been, the developers deliberately designed roads to allow for high-speed chases so they are long and straight and wide. Nothing happens on either side of them, unlike, say, Grand Theft Auto, where there's always something going on around every corner. And the the weapons are not especially well done. There's not an awful lot of kind of feedback you get from using them. The the vehicles are all pretty samey. And this is before you get to the copious amount of bugs that are in this game. It is absolutely ridden with them. And we are nine months after release and they don't seem to have got any better. A number of occasions have I been shot from shot by uh, non-playable characters that are under the ground. I've start, I've been spawned into cars that immediately explode and kill you and you lose your money with no way of restarting that checkpoint. Um, I've seen people ragdoll through the sky. I've seen the same car spawn on top of itself from out of the sky. It <laughs> All kind of uh, roadblocks that fill a... Uh, a crossroads with eight or nine cars but with completely empty roads either side so they all could have just moved and driven away if they'd wanted to but they've just all decided to have a little park up in the middle of the road um it is absolutely ridden with the just really basic basic uh, issues that could that could and should have been resolved before release let alone nine months after in countless uh fixes and patches that said Weirdly, I find this game utterly addictive, and I've played it for a number of hours. The story alone is fascinating and really extremely well done, and I wish that they just dedicated as much time to the gameplay as they did to the story. The perspective in this game is probably unique in AAA releases. And so I'm just very disappointed that it hasn't come attached to uh, uh, to a game of the kind of uh, standard of Grand Theft Auto, uh, Grand Theft Auto, after which Mafia Three so clearly apes. But yeah, as I say, it, it's incredible that you can find a game so fundamentally mediocre, but also find yourself sinking a lot of time into it. Um, there is a kind of play. There is there is a definite playability to it. And I, I find myself kind of mixed in this in this review. I don't think that I would go out of my way to recommend this game to anyone. I think an awful lot of people would be incredibly bored by it and find it rather mindless and disappointing. That said, I'm playing it and I'm still playing it and I'm sure I'll get many more hours out of it yet and I do want to see how this story ends up. Uh, and sometimes, unlike lots of people I know, I don't mind just driving around in a car on, on a computer game just to go and pull over and, and shoot some people in a in a boring mission and do that repeatedly over and over again. I'm sure that says much more about me than it does about the video game industry, but uh, I hold my hands up to it, um, albeit this is a podcast so you, you can't tell that I did that. Um, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So, yeah, where Mafia 3 is uh, fundamentally disappointing. Uh, it could have been so much better and there is so much promise there and so much care and attention has been taken on the story and the cutscenes, but um, fundamentally it's a very flawed game. Right. I haven't played any of these, although I know a lot of people who are fans, so I was surprised to hear how buggy they are. Um, I know there was, certainly with Grand Theft Auto games in the past, there have been quite a few bugs, but this sounds like it's on a whole different level. I mean, Clive, I I'm guessing you probably haven't played this, based on the fact that you don't didn't like Grand Theft Auto much, but have you? Um, no, that's ba yeah, basically the reason why. It seems more or less like it, uh, so I wasn't particularly interested. But I've heard, I've heard people enjoying it 
and saying the same things as Dave. They're they're enjoying it in spite of the uh, the many flaws it seems to have in terms of the bugs and stuff. But it's disappointing that after nine months they haven't uh, figured that out because there's been there's definitely been games where on release they've been a bit shabby, but generally developers have been fairly good about sorting it out. And if there's been an outcry, they've you know tried to sort it out as quickly as possible. But it sounds like that's not happening here. Yeah, for sure. And it's weird because it's not like it's culty bad either. It's not that kind of thing. You know, um, this is a proper big old AAA release. This is two K games. Mm. This is not you know. A, a small studio by any means so yeah it is rather remarkable that uh, there are still these kind of fundamental issues but i guess perhaps for them the um the boat has sailed now this at this point you know yeah the, the, the reviews are in the purchases have happened there's probably not much more to come now and if they're going to work on a sequel then they're probably spending their time on that i don't know if there's going to be one it's been eight years since Mafia 2 and there was an eight-year gap between Mafia and Mafia 2 then as well. So um, it won't be any time soon, that's for sure. Flux, played this at all? Uh, no, I haven't. Actually, I had a choice. I was in CEX the other day and had a choice between this or the Nathan Drake collection and I picked the latter. But I, I knew Dave had been enjoying it. He'd mentioned it to me, so I, I thought about picking up Mafia. I hadn't played any of the previous series, but in the end, I, I, went, I went with Uncharted. Um, which sounds like it might, might have been a good decision. Right, okay. Uh, moving from London, uh, we'll go to Sheffield. No, we won't, actually. We've got to Switzerland. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in Sheffield. Oh, again. you are in Sheffield now. <laughs> no, let's back, I'm back from now. the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Clive, get yourself back to Switzerland and tell us what you've been playing. <laughs> um, so, I've been playing um, Splatoon 2 is the one I'm going to start with, which I got pretty much a week after the last games podcast, I think. It came out about a month ago. Um, and I've been playing it pretty furiously ever since, uh, although I haven't finished it. Um, Splatoon 2 is a follow-up, obviously, to Splatoon, uh, which was a game on the Wii U, one of my favourite games on the Wii U. I think it was in my top five in when it came out, which I think was 2014. Could be wrong there. It's a third-person shooter, but a very different kind of third-person shooter. Um, the premise is basically that instead of shooting bullets, you're shooting ink. Um, it's 4v4. All the modes are 4v4. The main mode is called Turf War, and essentially it's 4v4, and you're trying to cover... Both teams have different colour ink coming out of their guns. You're trying to cover up the map in as much of your colour ink as possible. And at the end, it kind of zooms out, gives a bird's-eye view of the map, and that whichever team's got the most ink on the map wins. So obviously there's tactical things such as it's more beneficial to cover up the opponent's ink than to just ink places that haven't been inked, because then you're not only decreasing theirs, but also increasing yours. Um, things like that but also having one of the main mechanics is that you can swim in your color ink so in your color ink you press the left trigger and then your uh your inkling will swim into the uh will dunk into the ink and you can't see him anymore you could see where he is because uh, you're in control of him but no one else can see him and you can swim around faster than you can walk in this ink but you can't do that in the opponent's ink so the more ink of yours that you've got on the map uh the bigger advantage you've got in terms of being able to get around quicker as well um, also that makes the gunfights quite interesting though it's quite different in terms of most first person and third person shooters uh, uh, lots of the shooting and stuff is done at range because obviously even the pistols and things have a really uh, can pretty much reach across the map in most shooters the problem is usually that you haven't got a scope and you can't see far enough uh, to aim accurately but in this um, a lot of the weapons have very little range at all and even the charger weapons which are the kind of sniper rifles of the game don't have they, even though their range is maybe 10 times that of a standard spraying gun um, it, it still isn't particularly far in terms of the whole map which makes them um, the combat way more kind of frantic like other sort of shootouts will usually be like uh, kind of close to each other and want to be dunking in and out of the ink you can't shoot when you're in the ink so you're kind of coming in and out and shooting this other guy who's doing kind of the same thing (laughs) and it just gives the whole game a more frantic feel but the other thing to mention is that instead of trying to shoot the other inklings your main aim is obviously to cover the map in ink so it's not like uh, you getting tons and tons of kills is actually helping that much it does help because if you uh, take out one of their team there it takes them about five seconds to respawn and that's five seconds that they can't be covering the uh, map and ink but still sometimes it's more beneficial to stay out of the way depending on what weapon you have of the opponents and just ink the floor than to actually go and attack them 
essentially this um so there's that mode there's also rainmaker i'll go over them very quickly which is where you just have to get like the rainmaker as a thing in the middle and you have to get that to the other person's base a bit like capture the flag tower control where there's like a tower in the center and if your team's in control of it it moves on a kind of rail towards the other team's base and if the other team gets in control of it it moves back towards your base and again it's whoever can get it to the base first and splat zones which is makes one zone in the center of the field you have to cover in your ink and then you're in control of that zone so kind of like a king of the hill basically and then the team that's um been in control to uh for the hundred seconds or whatever it is uh wins the game it's the these all these modes were in the original splatoon so essentially in terms of the the multiplayer aspect it's an in, it's just been kind of an improved revision of what of what it was before um, there's greater range of weapons, uh, like splat duelies. You can dual wield it, and uh, they have a interesting dynamic where you can roll around while shooting, which uh, none of the other weapons have. And there's things like a splat umbrella where <laughs> you can splat and also uh, open up your umbrella, which then means that you're, you know, you can kind of use that as a shield, which is a new weapon. So that in, in, uh, adds some new dynamics to the game, which means there's now a lot of different types of weapons, which makes for a lot of different play styles, which is really good. Um, there's new maps and some of the old ones have been improved. There's eight in total, which I think was the same as there was last time, but they, they add them quite a lot. It's a kind of like a, a bit of an episodic game in terms of they release new maps every two weeks or month uh, until they've said they're going to support it for two years, I think. So who knows what we'll have at the end. And it's all always free, the stuff that comes out. Um, there's more specials. That's the thing that they've probably changed the most. And the specials you get by covering a certain amount of ink um, and last time they were a little bit overpowered some of them they've kind of toned that back and added a bit more variety as well in terms of what the specials do so it's a bit less of a race to just get your special and then kick ass it's more like your special you might not want to use in certain situations whereas before it was almost always as soon as you got your special go for it <laughs> because it was that good um, this is a bit more strategic and I like that so I think they've made a good good move with that um, there's some things haven't changed. The maps still rotate, so it's usually two for each mode. There's two maps on at a time, and they only rotate every hour or every two hours. I think it's every hour, uh, which is fine for me. I quite like that because it means every play session has a kind of different feel because you, uh, you're you just playing those two maps, which means you get really acquainted with those two maps and you kind of figure out the strategies of each one. Um, and all the maps are good, so it's never like you're stuck with two duffers. Um, although I've heard people complain about the, not just having all the maps available, and I can see that, but I quite like this method. Um, and you still can't change the loadout, which is a bit weird. In between matches, you have to go out of the lobby and then change it and then go back in, which I don't quite understand why that's the case. Although, again, I generally use the same weapons for certain modes, so it doesn't affect me too much. Um, there's also they've added a new mode called salmon run which is essentially a horde mode uh, where you get three waves of eight different bosses and sal salmonids that you have to shoot um you're again working as a team with three other people you can work with people you know but i've just been doing it with randomers um and they just keep coming at you uh in the difference is it doesn't end when you get killed it just ends after three waves and you have to kind of bring back once you kill the bosses they drop eggs which you have to get back to the base um, and it's kind of about trying to get as many eggs back to the base by the end of these three waves as you can. Um, it gets more and more difficult. I've not played loads of it yet because it's, again, another interesting decision, only on about 60% of the time. Um, so not every time you open up Splatoon, it'll be on, which is, um, again, doesn't bother me particularly because I'll just play one of the other modes. There's plenty to do. But um, I've heard people who absolutely love this mode complaining about that because that's the main thing they want to do, and I can see that. Um, the single player um, has been was really good before i really enjoyed the last one it did lots of i mentioned it in my previous review in quite a lot of detail so i won't go loads of it in the last game because it's more or less the same but you you can kind of use your ink dynamic to you can like swim up walls and stuff with the ink so it uses that to kind of make a very kind of platformy type game it reminds me a little bit of super mario sunshine because of the sort of uh, spraying aspect um, but there's more variety now in that you can use more weapons. Last time it was just one weapon that you used throughout the single player. In this one it gives you different weapons for different levels, which means the levels are kind of varied and catered, uh, cater for different abilities of the weapons, like the charger, which is the one that shoots fire, will have you doing lots of shooting targets in the distance to um, kind of harpoon yourself over there. Uh, a roller, which is a splat roller, which is basically like a paint roller, uh, will have you doing various things that involve 
rolling paint on the ground rather than shooting, um, which added more dynamics to the single player and made it more interesting. So, so far, again, I haven't finished it. I'm about halfway through. It's been a bit more varied. I did love it last time and I still like it this time. It's, I, I think it's a welcome change of pace to the um, multiplayer. It's way less frantic. So if you just want to have a bit more of a relaxed session, it's, uh, <laughs> it's good for that. Um, so, yeah, overall, I absolutely love it. I've been playing... I checked it the other day. I played 45 hours of it, which is quite a lot for me to play for one game. Um, it's so, so fun. It's not massively like improved in terms of from the Wii U version, but I think most of the things they've done have improved. Like Most of the improvements they've made have been really good, and most of the changes that they've done have been wise decisions. There's a couple of things like that I've mentioned that they haven't done that they possibly could have. But um, it's just so, so fun. It looks really good. It looks better than it did on the Wii U. And I just I absolutely love just going into a multiplayer, playing 4v4, splatting some people, uh, splatting the ground. There's something really kind of just innocently fun about spraying ink everywhere and covering everything in your colour, <laughs> in your colouring. It's just, in. it's my favourite shooter for sure. And it, well, the first one was, but again, it's kind of, it's a weird one. Like, I think a lot of people will have bought the Switch and won't have played the first one, in which case this is a no-brainer. Absolutely get it. It's amazing. If you've played the first one, then it's less of a, it's a bit of a harder sell because it's not that, you know, they haven't improved that much, but I still think it's worth it. I think that the single player is still great. It's apparently five or six hours long, so you're getting some from that. There's Salmon Run, which is plenty to do, and all the um, new weapons and stuff in the multiplayer is great. And you're going to get two years' worth of new content, which is also fantastic. So, in my opinion, it's worth it. If you haven't played the first Platoon, then totally get it. It's really, really good and just a really unique game that I don't think anyone else probably would have come up with. Um, and every time I play it, I'm just like this, you know, it's a kind of simple idea, but brilliant. <laughs> and it just makes, in my opinion, the shooter, the shooter genre for me, just more interesting. And yeah, I absolutely love it. And I've, the colourfulness of it is brilliant too. So big fan of Splatoon 2. Check it. Cool. So in the words of Alan Partridge, this sounds like it's more, <laughs> you know, evolution, not revolution. Um, yes, that's definitely the case, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I think with a sequel, that's kind of going to be... Because the, the first game, I don't know, the first in like something that's so different to anything else is always going to be a little bit janky. It wasn't particularly janky, to be fair. It was pretty solid. But, um, yes, I think it's a good idea to kind of make it a refinement. And also, I think they kind of wanted to rush one out a little bit on the Switch. And I've, I'm quite happy. I was a bit worried it was going to be feel a bit rushed and just have be kind of very little improvement whatsoever. But um, I think there is sufficient improvement for it, for it to be called Splatoon 2, <laughs> not Splatoon 1.5. But um, yeah, it's not like a massively different game or anything. If you didn't like the first one, you're probably not going to like this. Right, Dave, um, I believe you are our other Switch owner. Mm. If, it, if it's arrived by now, uh, have you have you played this yet, or have you any interest in it? Yeah, I've had a Switch for a little while now, for a few months now. Um, I don't have Splatoon two yet, and that is only because I'm not yet bored of the two that I have, um, and I feel like I've struggled to find the time to play it. Combine that with a not great internet connection in my house and this being primarily online obviously um but yeah i mean man it's totally at the top of my list absolutely hmm. well it's um it's a different take on what can be quite a stale genre can't wait for um splatoon 3 modern warfare black ops um, <laughs> i thought you were about to do uh an intro for yourself there <laughs> just like a refreshing taste on a stale genre it's Alex Wayne yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a stale I'm a stale taste on a stale genre uh, <laughs> no um, I think I haven't mentioned which I did uh, in Switzerland I took it I took the Switch with me which was great like it, my dad didn't have a TV um, so I just played it on the, the tablet format and it was great um, but there was a sp what's called a splat fest, which is what they do over some weekends, like every couple of weeks, where you pick a side. This one was mayo v ketchup. Obviously, I picked mayo, and then um, you fight on the team of, that's picked the same that's picked the same thing. So I was fighting on people who'd picked mayo side versus uh, ketchup. Mayo won in the end, um, and you just it's just like the whole game changes. It kind of the whole main lobby bit turns into a massive party with like disco music and all the. Uh, 
levels have got more disco music and lights going on and it's just a really cool kind of event and I think that kind of idea of I think Overwatch has done this a little bit as well <laughs> like of making an online thing having different events at different times really kind of keeps you coming back to it because you're like oh yeah this is happening this weekend I'll play a bit of that and it com- brings you back to playing games that maybe you haven't played for a bit which is mm. always a good idea cool but anyway Al. <laughs> right um I'm going to have a brief little section here. Yes, shock. The uh, the, the games layman has something to say other than some uh, rather unfunny quips. Uh, I've been playing what I believe is potentially the future of gaming, although there might be some debate on that afterwards. Can I hear seagulls? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a common yeah. occurrence. Uh, 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 South Shield, the seagulls are huge. Um, I, I'm reliably informed by Ellen they are twice the size of their southern counterparts um, they are ginormous <laughs> she fed almost study? Enti- uh, yeah Ellen is a biologist yeah so she's done a full study of them um, ah. not actually just in case anyone believes that um, <laughs> uh, yeah anyway the what I'm going to talk about I've uh, bought myself a Playstation VR um, I've got to admit I would not have purchased this if I'd had to pay it in one go but I've managed to wangle the way through work of doing salary sacrifice where I pay for it each month so you know £20 out of my wage each month seems bearable And I'm <laughs> salary sacrifice sounds somewhat more dramatic then. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway I've got to say I've only played the demo so far because I'm waiting for my birthday to get games uh, such as Resident Evil 7 but it's an immersive experience and I hadn't had a go on VR before this has anyone else had a go on VR VR games no I've not no I suspect I'll feel very sick um, but I, I haven't yet no <laughs> uh, I I had a go on an Oculus Rift at a games fair mm. um it wasn't playing a specific branded game it was a kind of uh sort of Battle of Britain style simulator where you yeah. were playing fighting other planes I, I only had like a sort of i don't know 10 20 minute go it wasn't a, it wasn't a really um long long go but it, i i certainly really enjoyed it when when i played it it was really cool yeah it was i mean just playing the demo that comes with it you get i mean there's one part of it where you're just going down in this underwater cage being lowered down into the water and it, it's not frightening there aren't sharks ever edge you've just got like giant mantises you've got fish swimming around you and the fact that you can just like swivel around in your in your chair and just see something new it's it's immerse it's immersion like i've never experienced despite the fact that the graphics aren't necessarily out of this world i mean they're good but they're not necessarily as good as say something like um, uncharted 4 or other games like that but the fact that you're in and amongst it the fact that it's 3d in your face you feel you could literally touch the thing that's floating in front of your eyes is something new and i mean the demos i've played obviously gameplay wise aren't blowing anything out of the water i'm still using the game pad uh, but what excites me about this is the potential maybe not even necessarily on the playstation vr but maybe in future technology but the potential is stunning um i mean based on what i've heard about reviews of resident evil 7 it's you know a classic you know a modern classic horror game i can't wait to fill my pants with cake uh, playing this in VR because surely that's going to be ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. I mean, if you haven't experienced it, it it's it's so worth it. And I, I think it's something, I mean, n- not that we're a fan of casual gamers on this hardcore podcast, but I think it's something as well that will amaze people who don't normally play games. Like, I could imagine my parents having a go on this, maybe not for the games, maybe more for a virtual tour or something and just being blown away. I understand, is it true that Xbox are... <clears throat> are planning to release their own VR, or is that rubbish? Well, there was, yeah, well, there was certainly talk some time ago that it was widely believed they were going to team up with Oculus, um, because with Oculus Rift, which is the main selling commercial brand prior to PlayStation doing their own, probably I imagine Sony's PlayStation VR sales probably outstripped that. But it was the main uh, brand for PC gamers. Um, they all ship with an Xbox controller as the standard controller, so it was widely believed that part of the contract with Microsoft to use Xbox controllers was going to be that when Microsoft does VR, it's going to be with Oculus. Um, I've not seen any recent reports about it, but you, it's everyone is saying that, do you know what I mean, it's the future of gaming. Now, in fairness, people said that about the Kinect and PlayStation Eye, which mm. have fallen by the wayside, but I think this is genuinely different. I think it, it's going to become it's going to become the standard. I, th- I think in particularly cinematic games, maybe it won't be um, what you need because I think in cinematic games, 
you you almost need the direct you almost need a director telling you what you need to see. Say in a game like uh, The Last of Us, which has a lot of very you know scheduled moments, uh, you might miss that if you were looking at the wrong place in VR. But certainly with open world games, I could imagine this being uh, you know a, a game changer. Um, I mean, a lot of some somebody I know compared this to 3D with films, but I think that's a totally different thing at all. I mean, 3D in films, I don't think really adds much. I think the only film I've seen where it's added anything was Gravity. And, but I feel that this couldn't bring a whole different dynamic to actu- the actual immersion and the gameplay. Uh, and I'm very, I'm does. very, very excited. Like I, the first experience I had, like I said, I, I only had a quick go. But the first experience is when I was playing it. I was set up in the thing, and the first thing I did because it was a new game that I'd not played before is I looked down to see the controller in front of me, and then obviously got the experience of looking down in the cockpit of the plane I was in and thinking, oh yeah, I can't see. I can't see the actual room around me. All I can see is what's in the game. And initially it was like, oh, that's that's sort of... It was almost jarring. And then I was like, oh, no, actually, I know this controller. Like, it was an Xbox controller. I know it pretty familiarly. Like, I don't need to see it. And it definitely sucks you into the game more, the fact that you can't, you can't see or hear your surroundings. It definitely does. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm. that's really all I've got to say in it for now, having only played the demo. Um, but I think the potential is immense and to be honest with you I could spend a lot of time just having fun on the demo even if I'm not really playing games as such just doing you know, almost a VR tour um, quite relaxing if nothing else but as I said with something like Resident Evil 7 I imagine it would be terrifying <laughs> beyond belief but, um, I will report back next time uh, with uh. Resident Evil 7 review uh, specifically in VR, and we'll see. We'll see how I felt. I mean, I couldn't cope with Alien Isolation, and that was just on a normal. Yeah, that. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how <laughs> we'll see how I fare with this. But um, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to it. Yeah, intriguing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm. I really want to get. It's the kind of thing I want to give a go and play at someone else's, but I'm not going to pay just because there doesn't seem to be to me many games on it. Um, so it seems like the kind of thing where I'd play like a couple of games and then be stuck for what I want to play, what else I want to play. So, But I definitely want to give it a go. And I think it's I think it's a direction that's going to be good, but I don't I don't think it's going to take over everything. No, I no, I don't think so, for, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think... But they, I don't, still don't think they've come up with that killer gameplay idea. I think the stuff at the minute still is, from what I hear, uh, just expi- it's good because it's an experience, but um, no one's come up with anything which is like a genuine VR, like the actual gameplay of it is particularly interesting, if you know what I mean, mm. in terms of it uses the VR to make it, it uses the VR as an integral part of its gameplay, if you know what I mean, rather than just yeah. making it more immersive. That might well but be... we'll see. Someone's going to come up with it, I'm yeah. sure. That might well be fair, but I can just imagine the potential, say, for instance, imagine you're playing a, a first-person game, I don't know, sword fighting as such. You know, the ability to kind of sword fight in, you know, a 3D realm, essentially. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, oh, that's just one example. But um, anyway, yeah. Don't regret the purchase. Um, as I said, I'm not sure I'd have forked out 350 up front, uh, but, you know, paying it off monthly like that, easy buy. Um, cool. Um, cool, cool, right. cool. I'm not sure who else has a second one and who doesn't, so we'll go in <laughs> order and we'll see. Uh, James Flux, did you have anything else you wanted to review this this month? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a quick five minute. It's not going to be a substantive review like Injustice Two was. I'm not looking to uh, tread on the toes of our resident Nintendo expert, Mr. Clive Fisher. Um, well, please who, do. <laughs> who, who previously reviewed a version of the game that I'm going to review? Um, basically, I'm going to review Super Mario Maker 3DS. Um, like I said, Clive has already uh, reviewed the Wii U version of this when it came out um, way back in Games Episode 11. It's in the game, except when it isn't. <laughs> classic, so classic, classic Alex Wayne rant for those <laughs> that have not listened. Um, <laughs> I can't even remember. Missed, for those of you that missed um, Clive's review, Super Mario Maker does broadly what it says on the tin. It allows you to make your own 2D Mario levels and then obviously play through those levels. Um, there's also a mode um, called Super Mario Challenge where it's standard Nintendo created Mario levels that you can play through the completion of which uh, unlocks other items for you to put into your own Mario levels so the more you go through that the more varied you can make your own levels when you're creating them broadly 
much like I think Clive Clive felt with to, with the Wii U version, this is an absolutely brilliant game. It's super fun creating your own levels. There's enough uh, sort of levels on there, and the ability to obtain levels from other people that means there's just so much gameplay every time you want to play Mario you can play yourself a new completely new level of Mario whether you enjoy just playing Mario or whether you enjoy creating the levels which I enjoy both it's it's an absolutely great game um, the one thing that I would touch on that is different for the 3DS version is the accessibility of other people's maps so as far as I can gather from Clive's review, the Wii U version there's a real sort of community spirit to creating levels and being able to share those online, allowing people to play your levels for you to play their levels. Um, you can search for the levels of people that you've liked and have played their levels before or for levels that have been reviewed as long as it's been given in there what, what you're searching for. Um, and he seemed to suggest that that was really good, that you could search for people's levels and then play those levels. That functionality is not available on the 3DS. You cannot upload your um, level designs to the internet and whilst there is limited functionality of obtaining Wii U creators levels, not all of the levels can be obtained and you can't search, which mm. is a bit of a hindrance. Um, it is something that I knew before buying, so I don't. it's not like I'm really frustrated by it, as some people have been sort of heard a lot of. Uh, people kicking off about it that they expected to be able to search in the same way and then they find out that they can't and they're like, oh, you basically can't do anything, blah, blah, blah. Um, I already knew, I already checked because I check reviews of games. you're a, you know, a responsible but, gamer. Yeah, exactly. I, I, ch I, check, I check for the basic reviews of games before I buy them. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's something different. So perhaps for those that... We're thinking of don't have a Wii U or have bought a Switch or whatever and aren't playing the Wii U anymore and thought, oh, I'll get the 3DS version. Um, I absolutely recommend it. It's brilliant fun. I love making levels. But if you were looking for that sort of social community aspect of, oh, I want to play all of Clive's levels, for mm. example, I'm afraid the 3DS version, you're not going not gonna to be able to get those levels. Um, mm. You can still share levels with your friends, by the way. Just You just can't do it via the internet. So if, for example, Clive had the 3DS version, which I don't think he does, but if he did, we could share levels between us via the street pass, via, like, 3DS to 3DS connection. We just So we'd have to be kind of with each other. Yeah, it would have to be within proximity, yeah. It's just that you can't upload them or... Well, you can download them, but you can't search and download them from the internet. You can only download the specific ones that Nintendo allows you to, based on based on the search criteria, the sort of limited search criteria you can put in for whether you want it to be an easy level or a hard level and so forth. Hmm. Right, okay. Fantastic. This this is a game, I think I mentioned that the last time Clive talked about it, that it's obviously got great potential. Um, I might, I might. would you say it's worth it? How cheap is it, Flux, or is it expensive? Uh, I, think I, I think I picked it up pretty cheap. I, I, I I, I think I've seen a couple 20, of sales for it. Yeah, it might have been twenty, twenty-five quid, something like that. Mm. Which so I, I've got, that, I've got a three DS. It might be something I'd purchase. Yeah. Mm. If it. you like two D Mario, I'd, I mean, I've not like I said, I've not played the three DS version. In on the Wii U version, I, I, d I did enjoy making levels, but I actually ended up mainly playing other people's levels, and um, I just love the fact that there was. You could like go online and people had made an entire you know Mario game on it, <laughs> and you could yeah. just all you had to do was find their profile and then they were all in the right order and you could play their version of a Mario game, which um, a lot of them were really really creative and well done, um, and just being able to have an unlimited amount of two D Mario was pretty awesome. So yeah, I, I imagine that to some extent is still there on the three uh, DS version. Yeah, even absolutely. if you can't play like people. The, like the put some of the puzzle versions of Mario, mm. where the people do obviously using the keys and locked doors and stuff like that. You yeah yeah that was cool. Building levels in such a way that you can only access it in a certain way, and you've got to figure out how to do it. Um, that's that's really awesome. So there, there definitely is still that element. Like I say, it's just that you can't search for that. You sort of have to rely on what Nintendo recommends based on based mm. on your sort of limited search criteria of how hard you want it to be and stuff like that. I mean, mm. to be honest, there's plenty of content in terms of Mario, uh, Nintendo-created levels. Yeah, uh, they kept adding new ones. There must be loads by now. <laughs> I think I'm eight worlds in. They do four levels to each world. I think I'm like eight or nine worlds in, and there's definitely still more to come. So that's, mm. what, at least 
what at this point 35 36 levels and there's definitely more after that and you can create your own and like I say there's some limited download functionality it's just not as it's just not as in-depth as it was over the Wii U version right okay um Dave Peeling, I'm not sure. Did you have a second one you want to talk about? No, thank you, Al. No, thank you, Dave. <laughs> Clive, did you have anything else you wish to discuss? Um, just very quickly, I was going to mention another couple of games. Um, I started The Witcher 3. I got it off Amazon for some sort of deal, and I was like, it's a game I've always wanted to play. I played it for about three hours and then returned it, um, just because <laughs> I, ugh, I, don't, I couldn't get into... like it, it was clearly a game where you had to get into the story or you're not going to like it, because... The combat, I thought, was like just felt sluggish and kind of unsatisfying. And I didn't really like any of the moving around on a horse or on foot. So it felt a bit, I don't know, it just didn't feel satisfying. And I didn't particularly get into the story. It was too like, I don't really get into fantasy stories very much. And um, I, obviously I knew that was what it was. I just thought everyone had braved about it that much that I would, <laughs> uh, would get into it. But yeah. And... Um, on another slightly negative note, but I did actually finish this one. Tomb Raider, uh, I finished Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I, at the start, loved because it's got loads more kind of open designs. I know Dave's talked about this and reviewed it properly, I think, in a previous episode. It's got more open design, so I like that, uh, how it developed the first game in that sense. It's a bit more open-worldy, but I think, Dave, you mentioned that how everything kind of being marked on the radar made it not very explorational, if that's mm, a word. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I agree with that, yeah, that was a little bit annoying. And I just, I just wish they'd go more. Um, it's like trying to be uncharted, and it's not quite as good. And it's, I just wish they'd stick to being a bit more like Tomb Raider used to be, where it's just uh, like four or five really big tombs that you're trying to solve, and you're trying to get through them, um, rather than this kind of more unchartedy. It is, it has its differences to Uncharted for sure, but it's also definitely trying to ape it in a lot of ways, especially in the uh, in the insistence on having cutscenes constantly uh, which seems to be a bit of a triple a thing at the minute it's like if you buy a triple a game and there's not a cutscene every three minutes then it's a disappointment but um yeah so i was a bit disappointed by the end i got it found it a little bit repetitive and i just wish they'd had done something different and made it a bit more the thing i've always loved about tomb raider is that like feeling of isolation uh, which it did really well to start with and then just got a bit gunfire heavy towards the end again <laughs> but um yeah so a game where a little bit more like underworld or you know the first couple of tomb raiders i think would be interesting where it's just a few really big tombs and i think there's been so much development in terms of the computer game technology since those days that you could make do some really interesting things with the puzzles and stuff um, mm. so hopefully they'll i don't think they'll go down that road because it's not particularly profitable uh but we'll see <laughs> say profiterol it's not very <laughs> profiterol <Yeah. laughs> who for yeah. fact fans by the way uh, my witcher review was uh, games episode 16 the same one where i talked about injustice dave's review of tomb raider was episode 18 <laughs> I, uh, oh yeah like, like, yeah what, just interrupt I, I was about to say that thanks for the just still my thunder <laughs> <laughs> this guy right. okay um, so uh, yeah that's it i believe um once, once the trump trumpocalypse has happened i believe we are probably in the safest place on this boat I thought we were in a vault today. Well, no, no, no. You're in a or vault. Is it a vault in, in the boat? Yeah, it's oh, a vault I'm in, a in vault, the, right. Yeah, yeah. You're in the vault. I mean, I've got us well stocked with, you know, salted beef. So we should be fine. <laughs> yeah, we're probably doing better than most people in terms of food that's going to last a while. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we'll be good in the boat. Um, I mean, the one thing we don't have, though, is a means of telling, you know, where we are in the day. Um, hmm. Clive, do you Still. have... Yeah, still, despite all the questions. Um, Clive, do you know what, what time it is? Um, well, I've been... I get pretty seasick, so I spent most of my time lying on the deck, uh, staring at the sky, and I've got pretty good at telling the time from the sun now. So, let me just... Um, yeah, I can Don't tell... Don't look directly um, at it! <laughs> <laughs> I've learnt that the hard way. Um, Where's your smoked glass? Tell it's, um, oh, it's plug time! Whoa! Oh, really? At Stick Around Cast on Twitter, stickaroundpodcast.com on the internet, stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com on the emails, facebook.com slash stickaroundpodcast on Facebook. Instagram is slash stickaroundpodcast slash stickaround on Patreon if you want to give us some money. Uh, you know, keep the 
website costs, which keep going up, um, which must be something to do with the dollar-pound ratio thing, because I pay for it in dollars. But um, does the pound keep dropping compared to the dollar? Probably. I can't, I can't, I'm surprised it is, because you'd have thought <laughs> the dollar should be dropping all over the place, but it's not. Um, and... What else have we got? Is that it? I think that's about it, yeah. Uh, give us five-star oh, uh, reviews no, and subscribe, obviously. Yes, that's the main thing. Tell your friends, stick around is awesome. Give us a uh, give us a subscribe and give us five-star reviews on iTunes. Apparently that makes us very searchable. I'm not sure how, but apparently it does. <laughs> Other podcasts go on about it, so <laughs> it must do. Cool. Yeah. I-, I believe we'll be back next time with TV, if all goes yeah, to order. That sounds right. Um, big news... I'm not going to reveal oh. it now, though. Oh, <laughs> oh! But um, let's just oh, say Al will be shocked. Teaser. <laughs> He's watched the <laughs> TV, teaser, folks. Big teaser. I'll be shocked. You've watched all yeah. of Game of Thrones. Um, it's not that shocking. Oh my <laughs> God! You're George R. R. Martin. Shh. <laughs> 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 Tune in next time to find out. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks for listening, guys. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. <laughs> Falcon Punch Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around